0: Well here we are kind of wrapping up a a semester where we've been on this journey through the Old Testament looking at how God has written this narrative and been so involved in the nation of Israel uh, with his people even when they stepped aside of what he had called them to do God was still interjecting into the story and demonstrating his grace and we're so grateful for it. So now we're talking about this anticipation of the coming Christ. And how many of you uh, like suspense movies? Like you just love that movie that is crazy suspenseful. Yes? No? How many of you like horror movies? (laughs) Okay, a few more. not a huge fan of the horror genre, but how many jump scares do you like, like kind of in a movie where it's kind of suspenseful and you get like a jump scare going, right? Okay. Yeah, so not many of you, or else you're just like really shy and afraid to hold your hand up. But anyways, I love those movies where... You know, it's kind of quiet. Let me set a little bit of the stage. You know, the person comes home and uh, they've had a rough day at work, long day. They kind of get settled in. They go upstairs. You know, they turn the shower on. They're kind of getting ready to just have a hot shower and relax for the evening. And then the phone rings and they go downstairs. They walk down and the phone rings. They pick up the phone and it's a friend on the phone and they say, Hey, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. What's going on? right? Well, there's this escaped like psycho out on the loose. I just want to make sure you're good, like all the doors are locked, yeah, yeah, it's all good, we're good. And so, you know, it kind of settled down, but you know, plays in your mind a bit and then the person walks back upstairs and goes into the bathroom and they run the tap to get a drink of water, brush their teeth, and all of a sudden they realize the shower is not running any longer and they're standing there and as they look in the mirror, they look at the curtain behind them and the, the water's not running. And so they turn, and you know that scene, right, where it's like they they reach out and there's the pause, you know, and they they just reach for the curtain, and and there's that moment of hesitation of, like, should I I pull it? And we're all going, like, don't do it, because you know what's in there, right? And then they pull the curtain, and out of nowhere, Ah! you know, that kind of thing, right? You know, yeah, that sort of thing, right? Okay. Everybody's okay? Is everybody good? Kai's hurting. (laughs) All right, okay. The old ticker's in trouble there, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways. There's something about anticipation. There's something about, like, you're just waiting for something to come, for something to happen. And, you know, if the Sound of Music soundtrack, the hills are alive, you know, in that scene, like, you're kind of going, yeah, it's not working for me, right? So it's all about, you know, this music and anticipation. And the silence beforehand seems to just build the moment where all of a sudden, it's loud, and, you know, and the heart's going and racing and the whole bit. And if you think for a second about the nation of Israel and what they endured throughout the entire journey they were on, you know, back to the beginning, we've been over the E's, the right? So Eden beginnings, right? Election, where Abraham, Sarah were told, you're going to have a son, Isaac, the son of promise, right? This nation's going to come out of, out of your lineage, right? And then we had Exodus, the people crying out, in slavery and Moses being provided as this one that would lead them out and deliver them. And then Israel asking for a human king, wanting to be like all the other nations, saying, give us a human king. We want to be like them. And Saul was their king, and it didn't turn out so well. Uh, And then we move into this exile bit where people are are out of their homeland in Babylon in captivity, uh, captivity, these different places. And we saw Nehemiah, right, you know, rebuilding and and leading back and, you know, just all kinds of things happening as they returned to their homeland. So this journey that we've been on And through it all, God has been present. And then we come to this spot in history between the Old and the New Testament and these 400 years where there's not a prophetic voice speaking. There's this sort of official prophetic voice of God from a prophet is, is just, it's kind of silent, right? And we think, well, okay, so just complete silence. God isn't working. Like, where did he go? Is he on vacation? Like, what's he up to? And the reality is, is that God was still at work, and there was lots going on in the world at that time, in those 400 years. I'm going to give a little brief kind of history piece there. But the idea was that God was moving, but there wasn't this official prophetic voice. And you can imagine what it was like for Israel having to wait you know, the, the, the stirrings, the echoes from the past of a coming Messiah and waiting so long, waiting and waiting and waiting, anticipating this one that the prophets of old spoke of who would come and redeem them. And then we hit this 400 years, and you can imagine what it's like to wait for 400 years, all these generations But here's what was happening in between. And what we have to understand is if you consider what was happening in those 400 years, you'll understand why the Jews were so looking forward to a Messiah, why Israel was so looking forward to redemption when you consider all that was going on in the world. So just a couple of things. 330 B.C., you might remember this guy in his 20s, Alexander the Great. Persia was the empire at the time, and Alexander went to war And he led Greece in victory over Persia. i got a couple of maps there showing how the the landscape has changed. He was set out on taking Egypt next. And he was actually going to lay siege to Jerusalem on the way. And some of the, the priests in Jerusalem heard about this. And they actually went out to meet Alexander... And they actually spoke the writings of Daniel. And the story is, scholars tell us, that Alexander was so blown away at the accuracy of Daniel's writings, even concerning his own uh, empire and how he factored into those prophecies, was just so moved that he actually bypassed Jerusalem. So it was pretty incredible. There's more to that story as well. And so um, Alexander's in power, right? And then over 100 years later, this guy Antiochus, he becomes king. And he moves into power, and he captures Jerusalem, and when Antio- Antiochus died, his brother became ruler, Antiochus Epiphanes, and this guy was known as the Antichrist of the Old Testament. He was the most horrendous, evil persecutor of the Jews. The things that this man did were, were incredible, and so he was Antiochus Epiphanes, which meant Antiochus the illustrious, that's how he saw himself, but many in his own house And Pallas actually called him uh, Epiphanes, which means the madman. So they recognized exactly who he was and what what he had done. And so there was a point where he was off in battle uh, in Egypt, and there were reports that came back that said he died in battle. And the people in Jerusalem rejoiced over that. They thought, oh, he's dead, he's gone, that's so amazing. The problem is he didn't actually die. And when word got to him that Jerusalem was celebrating his apparent death, he came back with a vengeance, he came and he slayed 40,000. He took a pig and he actually slaughtered it on the temple in the Holy of Holies. And he took the blood and, and literally covered everything. Like it was this, you know, for the, for the Jewish people, it was a desecration of their most holy place. This guy was just vile and evil. And you can again see how they longed for someone who was going to step into the story and obviously redeem them forever. And if you ever want to read some incredible accounts of, you know, just uh, the, the Maccabees, these accounts uh, of those who were led by Judas Maccabeus, who was a, a, a leader, and they revolted. And, and it was about six and a half years uh, later, 2300 days, in fact, that they reclaimed uh, the temple, right? And there was this, you know, this heroic sort of season of these... Uh, these ones that led revolt and the Jews were invited Israel was invited to join right and they actually look back on these years with reverence and respect over you know the fact that there were those willing to defend um, you know what, what was sacred basically and around the world you know religions were falling there were things changing everything was shifting the world wasn't stable right all of this stuff was happening and people were empty they wanted something more and we can relate to that today. When we consider our world and we look around and we think, man, what is it in our world that actually is going to be able to satisfy us? And we find that there's nothing that ultimately can satisfy us in this physical, earthly sense, right? We, we look and we look and we look. There's things that bring us joy, things that bring us pleasure, things that are great, but they can't ultimately fulfill the need for us to know you know, where we're going to spend eternity or how we can live life that is purposeful and actually has eternal significance. And so people were waiting, desperately wanting something. And so in that 400 years, sort of at the tail end of it, now there's a new power. So we had Persia, we had Greece, Uh, I can't remember the third one there, Uh, Rome, sorry, here's Rome. So Rome is now in power. And we know the story that Rome conquered, Jerusalem was conquered. It is the most besieged city in history. I think 27 times Jerusalem was was, sacked by other nations and leaders. And you'll remember that that leader appointed a king over Judea. And that king that was appointed was Herod the Great. Not a true king per se, but he was the one in charge. And we know the story that, you know, as Magi came from the east, they came to Herod, seeking this king, seeking this one that they were to worship, and Herod, Herod was very concerned, obviously, because it was a threat to his power, and we see evil at work again, where wanting or claiming to want to worship this new king, you know, wanted to know the whereabouts of the birth of this king, and, and obviously we know now what he wanted to do, and when the Magi did not return to give him the location, we know that he's slaughtered children, like, just completely slaughtered, you know, every male child, right, like, you know, genocide, like, it's, it's crazy, and again, as the nation of Israel, and as the people looked upon that, imagine that, imagine that you are a family, and that is what has hit you, you know, from this leader that's, that's in power, and you're looking, and you're going, oh, God, where are you, when will you come, when will you redeem, and, and they were looking for this, um, you know, this Messiah, this one that would come, So 400 years of no prophetic voice from God, yet the world, man, was changing, and God was still working in the midst of it. Then all of a sudden, there's stirrings. Angels appearing to shepherds in a field, right? A virgin being told that you will give birth to a son. You will call him Jesus, right? You know, Joseph, who was visited by an angel, hey, take this woman to be your wife. This is all okay. You know, there's a plan here, right? And all of the events and all of the details that were happening And Jesus is right in the middle of it. And if you consider who he is and you consider the accuracy of the scripture around foretelling this coming Messiah, it's incredible. Israel, uh, Isaiah wrote this, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Isaiah 10 verse 1. You'll remember that the people wanted the king, the human king, and Saul was their king, and he failed because he performed a sacrifice he wasn't supposed to. And Samuel the priest was then to go and anoint another king. And he went and he visited the house of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king among his sons. And David was the next anointed king. And if you fast forward into the New Testament, you'll see that he is part of Uh, You know, there's uh, the lineage of Christ, right? We see that Jesus came out of that lineage. And so David was this king, and we see in 2 Samuel 7, 16, uh, your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever because ultimately in Christ that fulfillment came. And then one of the most beautiful things, 700 years prior to the birth of Christ, Micah the prophet spoke these words. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. And it's speaking of Christ. And we know that Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem right, to you know, uh, be part of the census there. And, and that was their hometown. And so Jesus being born there, incredible how it all worked together. We don't have time to spend on this next passage, Isaiah Uh, 53, it's somewhere in there, I might be out of line with the slides there, but this speaks of, um, you know, Jesus, when you look at it, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him, he was despised, we esteemed him not, surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to their own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And this speaks of the accounts of Jesus even on trial, not speaking, just being willing to take everything that came because it was a greater purpose. And we could do a deep dive into that passage to talk about how it, it definitely is a, a speaking of Christ and, and how Jesus fulfilled these prophetic words. So the Gospels talk about the birth of Christ. Matthew looks at this lineage. You know, Luke looks at, gives different insights into the birth. And then John approaches you know, things a little bit differently. This is what he says in John 1. I think we got it up there. Uh, Yeah, so John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we know earlier in that passage that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's this idea of logos, and, and so Jesus was there in the beginning. And what John goes on to say is that the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And that's this picture of Jesus coming, right, being born, being found in human likeness, as a servant coming, To provide himself for us to ultimately be a sacrifice. And this idea of Logos, there's a Hebrew word, and I think I've spoken about this before, but it's Jabar, and the meaning of it, that which lies behind. And so what's really cool about John's use of these words, it's this idea that um, you know Jesus was an expression, the fullness of God. He was an expression of God as Father. And the cool thing about this is this idea, that which lies behind, it means what is truly behind you. Who are you really? And it's the idea that we as Christians being found in Christ, if you know Jesus, we're actually an expression of Christ. We get to live out life in a way that honors him and points others to him. And that is ultimately what speaks of hope. That is ultimately like echoes from the past, voices from centuries ago that spoke of this coming Messiah. And all of a sudden he arrives on the scene. And now we, as we've been made aware of who Jesus is and what he calls us to into his kingdom, into eternity, but into life here and now. You know, we don't get to just be echoes. We get to be present lives that live in such a way that we reflect the voices who spoke so long ago to point people towards Christ. And that is the hope that we need. That is the hope of Christmas. Jesus is the hope of our world, for our world, there is no other that can provide hope. Ultimately, he is the one who came and he showed us how to live and he died for us and he was raised to life. And the word says that he intercedes before our Father on our behalf daily. So beautiful. So I hope that this Christmas, as you consider all of the echoes and all of the stage that was set for Christ to be born and all that it means now as we walk in him and as we move forward in, in hope in joy, in peace, in love. May we live lives that reflect who it is that we serve. May we live lives that reflect who truly is within us and behind us, who is present, Jesus. And that's how we ought to live. That's the message that we need to portray to those around us. And if you don't know Christ, do not hesitate. Do not, you know, kind of linger on that. Come and talk to us. Come and let us share our journey. And let us share what we've learned about who Christ is. Because he is the central figure of history. He is our Messiah. He is our Lord. He's our Savior. And if you don't know him, man, we'd love to talk to you about him. Love to pray. And then i got a couple of announcements. God, we thank you for the story that has unfolded over centuries. Uh, even from the beginning, Father, you knew how you would provide redemption. You knew how you would save your people from their sins. And so, God, would you inspire in us a depth of that understanding to live lives that honor you, to live lives that reflect many who have gone before us, who have preached Jesus, who have spoken about Christ, who have lived their lives well. May we do the same. May we point people towards the hope of Christ, the love of God in Jesus this Christmas. And may we celebrate in a brand new way, maybe, knowing that you're alive and That you came for us, and uh, and we're so grateful uh, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful that you love us. We pray this in your name, Amen. Amen. So, a um, couple of announcements uh, tomorrow. We have Carol singing going on in here, and uh, there's some staff that are joining the band that we never even knew played instruments, which is incredible. So it's going to be a blast tomorrow. So. Grab some friends and come. Just invite them. It's a carol sing. It's non-threatening. We're going to have a great time together. We hope to pack this place out. Thursday, Human Flannel Graph, which is going to be a blast as well. And nothing happening Friday because of other festivities um, here at school. Today at lunch, we've got senior girls in the hub for Driven. And we've got uh, the Foundry Junior guys uh, in the SLC looking so forward to seeing you. So bring some friends. God bless. Have an amazing day.